did this ourselves. They're coming. It can't be. Where is everyone? Hello, Survivors. You're listening to the Apocalypse Postcast, a show about Armageddon fandom and the people living in the pre-apocalypse. Today, we're talking for the first time with Deirdre Kondrak, who's been running a festival in the Northeast United States, and they're going to be having their third event this August in Pennsylvania. They've got a wonderful privately owned location dubbed The Green Place and host four days of post-apocalypse mayhem. Like most regional Wastelander events, it may be smaller in number, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't expect to be fully immersed in a dystopian landscape and party late into the night with amazing performers bringing you the best in end times entertainment. Stick around, survivors, because we're going to get the full rundown of what to expect at Apocalypse East. Things are hard out there in the waste, but the last thing you need is a bout of radiation sickness bringing you down. That's why I created radical new treatment called Concentrated Fallout Therapy to help you build a tolerance to those pesky ionizing particles. Here at Dr. Prepper Labs, we gradually up your dose of X-rays, gamma rays, and quasi-stable high atomic weight particle exposures, so your body will never be caught unprepared in radioactive storm again. Dr. Prepper, fight fallout with fallout. Concentrated Fallout Therapy may cause mutations, disfigurement, or early death. All right. Well, welcome to the Apocalypse Postcast, Deirdre Kondrak. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, do you have a wasteland name or is it a vampire-esque Dracula? No. I I think that would be very fitting. Oh, well, um, thank you. Uh, Deirdre (laughs) Kondrakula. I I had never even considered that. No. um, Really? Oh, my gosh. I, I do. It's Imperator Devious. Um, mm. which came from Devious Von Doom, which was my roller derby name for years, which was Devious was given to me by my college roommate many years ago. So it's it's evolved over time. I love it. And that's so much more fitting for the post-apocalypse than the one I just made up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So tell me, um, what is this festival? Give me kind of an overview of what Apocalypse East is. Um, well, it's, it's something for the East Coasters who really didn't have anything before. We, we've never had, to my knowledge, any kind of a post-apocalypse festival, and I felt that it was sorely lacking on this coast. So I decided, um, I actually had the resources lined up already to do something like this, and I just, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, why not do this? There's, there's so much that, that it's just, it's possible, and um, I just, I just kind of, bit the bullet and made it happen because why not it it we needed something so uh, yeah awesome that's so great and so okay so it's a post-apocalypse festival um i imagine it's kind of based on what wasteland weekend's been doing because most of them are Mm -hmm. yes um i've kind of followed that we have a lot of djs and bands and um just a lot of entertainment lined up and i i've heard a lot of people think that it has a great amount of entertainment for the uh, the time that we have there. It's, it's a little shorter. We start on Thursday instead of Wednesday. Um, I'm not planning to expand that, but there is another uh, aspect of it that I am possibly thinking about making happen. Ooh, do we get a teaser or are you going to keep that secret for now? Um, I have been kind of keeping a secret. A couple people know a little bit, but um, I'm planning to expand to a second festival in the spring of oh, cool. a slightly different uh, different take on the apocalypse. Nice, because the workload's not enough. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
never, never. <laughs> awesome. And are, are you guys like costumes mandatory and theme camping? Um, kind of give me a picture of what things look like there. Right. Um, we, we do have, it's fully immersive. So yes, costumes are mandatory. That's, that's really the only thing that we take very seriously. The first year we actually had somebody show up who was a photographer and we told her costumes are mandatory. And she's like, but people don't take me seriously if I'm in costume. They get kind of weirded out, and we're like, "This is a completely different thing than you've ever done before." And she, she just, she didn't really understand it. Um, <laughs> that's funny. But that's the only problem we've had with that as of yet, and hopefully that doesn't continue at all going forward. Last year was fantastic. Everybody was completely immersed in costume, and and we do have a city area. Um, and if you have themed camping, you can camp in the city. If you have themed vehicles, they can be in the city. It's it's much smaller than and other festivals, but um, we do have an area for that. And if you don't have themed camping or themed vehicles, and there is an area outside the city that we have parking and camping in. That's great. And I, I you know, what's really cool is, so I've, I've talked to a lot of different festivals now around the world. Um, mm-hmm. The one about uh, the first Australian festival called Pox Eclipse uh, just came out um, two weeks ago on the show. And um, everyone's kind of taken that lead from Wasteland where there is that fully immersive themed area. Uh, but then people who can't quite bring a fully themed camp, they they just go on the outskirts. And so as you get closer to the center, um, it just gets more and more immersive. And I think that that's so cool that, you know, all these festivals, yours included, across the uh, world, um, they're all kind of doing the same thing. So you kind of know a little bit of what to expect with everyone kind of doing their themes this way. Yes, yes, we absolutely try to to keep it in in that aspect, and I as as of yet we're succeeding. Um, we have, like I said, a rather big. Well, we have a good sized field area that people uh, camp out in. We have cabins that people can um, reserve for for staying in during that time, and we also have a huge barn, a fourteen thousand square foot barn on two levels that we've completely, mostly completely converted over to. Um, being post-apocalyptic. So it's, it's a pretty good sized, it's, it's not huge, but it's a good sized fully immersive area. That sounds great. So is this almost like a farm? Is that? It used to be a long oh. time ago. It used to be a dairy farm, probably 23 ish years ago at this point. Um, when it, all right. So this place has a history. Like I said, we had the resources or I had the resources to, to build this with help from others. And, um, so we formed a company many years ago, uh, probably 13, 14, it was in 2007, I'm bad at math. Um, so we formed a company then with a number of other business partners and bought this dairy farm to use as a LARP camp. <laughs> what? So we've been running LARPs there, renting out to LARPs until two years ago when we, we shut that aspect of it down. So it was completely medieval. Um, there were oh, all, wow. these, all these cabins were, were, um, kind of Tudor and it, the inside of the barn was all tutored up and there was all these different medieval LARPing aspects, um, that we've since tried to minimize and turn into a post-apocalyptic area. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. All right. So, uh, how into like medieval stuff were you? It sounds like you, you got pretty deep. Extremely, extremely. Yeah. I was my husband and I have been involved in the SCA. We actually, we got married in a medieval ceremony. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we did medieval LARP. We met through medieval fantasy LARPing. Um, so we did that for many years. Uh, we owned a game that, that played on this current campsite. 
um, and that has since been sold off. So we 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 had a long time where we did that, and it, it ran its course. We had uh-huh. a great time, and we're we're done with that. <laughs> Got it. So so we're done with the medieval aspect altogether, or or you just don't doing that game? Um, for the most part, altogether, we we might go to. Penzik again in the future, which is the biggest uh-huh. post. Or sorry, that's on my <laughs> mind. Obviously, yeah. um, biggest um, SCA event in the world actually is only gotcha. a couple hours from us, gotcha. but we haven't been to that in years. Okay, now th- it's really interesting that you mentioned like medieval, like Renaissance. Okay, so normally when we're when we're um, going to like a Ren Fair or something like that, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the best to do people of the time, right? Mm-hmm. The people that had enough food, the royalty, the the entertainers, the ones that were treated really well. Um, but the but medieval times, the dark ages, and even the Renaissance, um, most people lived basically in a post-apocalyptic world because l- just staying alive was a struggle every day. There was tons of disease. Um, people killed each other just kind of willy-nilly. Um, do you see a connection here between like oh, Renaissance and post-apocalypse? Absolutely, definitely. Um, they just might have had slightly less technology. Like there, there's always some kind of something you can build off of in the post-apocalypse using the remains of society today. And they yeah. didn't have that then. But that's the biggest difference as far as I can tell. Yeah. And of course, the costumes are slightly different. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about where it takes place. I know that you're in the Northeast in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does that affect the look and feel of your event versus some of like the Southwestern desert events? Right. It's, it's extremely different. Um, we don't have a desert to fully immerse yourself in, uh, but we, we do have a lot of greenery. Um, the lawn grows at an amazing pace. I have to be up there constantly cutting the lawn. So it's not stabbing you if you're in bare feet, which, which some <laughs> people do. I recommend against it because like I said, it's an old dairy farm and you can find rusty bits of pretty much anything if you look. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, it is very green and that's why we are the green place. Uh, we're surrounded by trees. There is a road on one side, which we try to hide from as much as possible. We have a wall, um, on one side of the barn, the barn basically butts up against the road. Um, and we have a big barbecue pit on in between the barn and the road, um, which we will have this year. Awesome. And we had last year, um, and is that kind of like a bring your own meat, use the barbecue, or are you serving up for everybody? Oh, no. We we have a barbecue vendor that comes in, and they, they put on an amazing show. And, awesome. And, and people last year loved it, and people have already been starting to ask about it for this year. So yeah. Oh, so cool. And that's not the only amenity you've got built in. I, I hear rumors that you may have showers. We do. We have... There are only two showers, but they are very roomy. So you can, if you uh, feel like it, you can pack more than one person in there, which has oh, happened. Oh, very nice. <laughs> has happened in the past. <laughs> um, and we do have a couple of sinks in the same. We have a whole uh, one. It's a good sized room for a shower room. And so there's there's room to change in the showers if, if you feel com- more comfortable with that. There's a couple of sinks in there. And um, we have a kitchen, which is not available to anybody, but we'll have... Um, somebody else cooking in the kitchen for uh, anybody who didn't bring their own meals also. Oh, gotcha. So you'll have the barbecue and a, like a regular kitchen. Right, exactly. Kind of serving up. Oh, mm-hmm. sweet. Man, you guys really are are kind of putting together the uh, like the carnival cruise of apocalypse <laughs> festivals. That's a great way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> Um, Oh, and also you mentioned the cabins. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are available, right? But now I think that you're already sold out, right? Yes, they actually sold out extremely quickly this year. People 
people have figured out that they're the way to go. Um, the entire field is definitely on a bit of a slope. The only flat area we have commandeered for uh, performance for outdoor performances, the fire performances for the most part. Um, so we can't have anybody uh, camping on the level, the most level ground. So everybody that is camping is they they real. I hope they realize I've, I've put it out there a lot before that they're camping on a little bit of a slope. It is very grassy, so hopefully it's uh, more comfortable than than certain other areas. But that's yeah. still what we have to work with. Gotcha. Now, are people um, camping in tents or bring in like campers and RVs? Is it a, or is it a mix? Um, it is entirely tent camping. Uh, the driveway, we actually redid the driveway this year. It was a mess before, but we still, like I said, had that grassy slanted field that RVs would not work well on that. You can bring gotcha. trucks down there. That's fine. If you want to camp in the back of like a, a post-apocalyptic truck, that's not a problem. People have done that in the past. But uh -huh. other than that, RVs are just too unwieldy and they might get stuck. So unless you want them to be a permanent fixture on the site, don't bring them along. Got it. Okay. Um, and so what do you guys have scheduled for entertainment this year? Um, like I said, we have a number of, we have four DJs and uh, two bands. We might be expanding that in the near future. Um, we have an amazing fire show lined up. We've um, had people working on that for a little while yet so far. Um, we also have, well, we have indoor and outdoor DJs, and inside we have a double stage. Um, so while a band is setting up, the DJs can be doing their thing up top. It's it's one above the other, which is kind of hard to understand unless you actually see it. Oh, cool. Um, but I, I take a lot of pride in that. We um, we built the stage ourselves last year, and it's very sturdy. Um, and you've got that, that space like fully decked out, right? Uh, it's, it's getting more added to it all the time, but it's, it's getting harder to figure out where to put everything because it, it is, <laughs> it, it is pretty fully, fully stacked in there. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and how many, is there like a limit to how many people can, can show up in order to like fit everybody in the venue space? It is a 14,000 square foot building and there is a lot of outdoor space. It's actually, if, if we wanted to make it a lot bigger, we probably could, but I don't feel comfortable with that because the the driveway is even though we had it redid this year, redone this year, it it's not super exciting. It's still steep, um, yeah. And the parking is while we have a whole other field um, for parking, we we could fit a lot more. I'm just not super comfortable with it. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. might change in the future. Like if if we have a lot more people interested in coming out, we we probably could. But I'll, I'm going to take that as it comes. Okay, cool. Um, and so being in the Northeast, in, in Pennsylvania, we've got the green space. But that comes with a couple things, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's a chance of rain. Oh, yeah. And um, you've got to deal with bugs that you don't have to deal with in the desert. Can you tell me a little bit about like what kind of um, preparation people need to think about if they're going to come to a event on the east side of the world well, or, or of the United States? If they've been to the wasteland, it's actually kind of similar to that where you have you need a change of costume in the, between the day and the night. It um, people have been worried in the past that it just it stays hot there because it is in Pennsylvania, and it actually it's in the mountains. So it cools down quite a bit at night. And if, oh, if you're wow. camping, you don't have to worry about it being overly warm at night or not having AC or something like that, because you'll be comfortable to cool in a tent. Um, if you're in a cabin, they are insulated 
and the rooms that we have in, inside are also insulated, so they are much more likely to stay warm at night, and we do have fans in, in all those. There is electricity in all the rooms in the cabins. So we, we have taken precautions for that. But yes, you definitely want a change of costume between the day and the night. Um, and if you can have rain gear, that is also a good idea. Last year, this wasn't an issue, but our first year, two years ago, we had crazy rainstorms each day and they were very limited in time. It was strange how they worked. The rain would just start, it would downpour for like 15 minutes to an hour each day and just stop. And it was beautiful the rest of the day. It was like mid seventies the whole time. The weather was oh, absolutely great. gorgeous, except for these crazy rainstorms that happened once a day, every day. <laughs> so. Nice. And uh, did people do a good job of like decorating their umbrellas and raincoats? Were they, was that all in theme? I actually didn't see too many umbrellas. Oh, people, people just, just let it hit, huh? Um, well, their tents, they, they basically just left because what can you do? And yeah. everybody just dove for inside. That's that's why it's great to have <laughs> such a big building. Like people people were inside playing games and, and doing whatever they do, hanging out, uh, eating inside. And everybody just, there, there's actually a video. Somebody took a video of, of going over to the, the, the huge double doors that we have and opening them. And it's just, it's white out raining. It's crazy. And then it just like dries up because the, I mean, the sun is strong out there too. So once it's over, it's over. And that didn't happen again last year. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, cool. I know that. Um, so Atomic Falls just happened a few weeks ago and I saw some pictures where there was standing water after the rains to, you know, where your shoes would be completely underwater. Mm. Uh, but I guess with you guys being kind of camping on a hill, you wouldn't have to deal with that so much. No, once the rain is done, it's it's basically gone. I mean, it, it stays on the grass for a little bit and then it dries up. Usually the sun is is relatively strong, so it, it takes care of that. And we haven't had any issues with standing water. Awesome. I know you've got the the bands and the DJs. Do you do any like theatrics? Because I know like Ren Fairs, it was always all about like these sketches or, you know, kind of improv. Um, do you, what else is happening outside of music? Um, like I said, we have the amazing fire performers who also do different types of dancing during the day, indoors even. We have, um, we have, uh, what are they called? The, the little... I want to say jail cell. That sounds wrong, but it's basically oh, what fun. they are. Yeah. Um, on either side of the DJ booth, on, on the, the top part of the double stage. So while oh, like DJs go, go are going, go, go dancing, like in, in yeah. the, in the little, uh, jail. Uh, nice. yeah, I can't think of the word for that right now, but, yeah, cages, um, right? Mm -hmm, yes, cages. Thank you. So we, we have that going on. They, um, the same bangerang tribe is, is the name of my fire dancers. They are fantastic. And they put on a couple of different, um, I don't know if you'd call them sketches, but performances over yeah. the course of the weekend last year. And I believe they're, they're planning that for this year also. Um, they have previously been based out of New York city, but this year they're all over the country. They've been out of Vegas a lot and uh, they're traveling to um, Los Angeles. They've been, They've been traveling all over. So they're, they're lear learning new things and bringing them back to Apox East. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's so great. Um, and 
I know at Wasteland several years ago, tribes started to kind of create their own entertainment, their own missions. Yes. Um, we've got like the bounty hunter game over there. Um, does anything happen like that that's like festival wide? Yes, absolutely. Um, we have uh, some vehicles that show up um, being post out. And th- this year they're putting on a, uh, what are they calling the rusted, the rusted wreck car show. Oh, cool. What's say. that? So um, it's basically they're they're putting on a car show for any anything or a vehicle show. It doesn't have to be a car. It could be anything, two wheels yeah. to four wheels or even more if people bring something like that. Um, but uh, one of the tribes just decided that, that that has to happen. And so anybody who has a vehicle with a motor is allowed to enter. And it sounds like they're doing some kind of – now I'm, I'm not exactly 100% – sure on this because I'm, I'm not really involved in it, which, which is great. It's one of the first things that's happened without my entire overseal. Um, <laughs> so I, I think people are just like bidding on who they think has the best vehicle and cool. they're going to have some kind of award, I guess. Um, but again, I, I, I'm not entirely privy to what's going on, which is hundred percent good with me. Right. Cool. And um, how many people are you expecting this year? Because this is what your your third event coming up. Yes, it's it's the third year. Um, last year was a little on the shy side because of COVID, but it's it's starting right. to open back up. Um, ticket sales are still going on. They they mostly took place um, when they first went on sale. There was a big boom, and they've been trickling in since then. Gotcha. Um, I'm probably expecting it's it's still on the small side. Um, probably uh, still just under a hundred people. Gotcha. Cool. And you know, it's, it's really interesting because, uh, Wasteland weekend 2019 was just about 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, people that have been going to the event for several years that always talk about like, you know, what Wasteland was like in the beginning when it was smaller, <clears throat> more intimate. Um, you know, you could, you could have a lot more downtime, um, and you got to know the people you were there with just that much better because you didn't have to spread your time out. Um, and so a lot of these smaller events across the U.S. off kind of they offer that um, where it's much more intimate. You can kind of you, you don't have that same FOMO because everyone moves together from one entertainment venue to the to the next. Um, and there's only like one thing scheduled at a time because there's not enough crowd to like you know, have multiple stages going. Right. Um, so I think that that is something really unique in in that you know, these smaller regional festivals um, can kind of offer what Wasteland Weekend was back in the day while also putting their own spin on it. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And we, we actually, we try to do that. I try to schedule things out so that we're not conflicting because as you said, it is such a small event that we don't have many things going on in many places. So we, we are able to do that. Um, and if if you want to be somewhere, it's, it's easy to get somewhere. It's, it's not a huge area. So um you're, you're able to see if, if you want to see everything you, you can see most things. I don't know if you can see a hundred percent everything, but uh-huh. that's the fun in it. Yeah. No kidding. And, um, I, I imagine you get plenty of people there that literally can't make it to some other event. So they're really taking advantage of just how close it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people have, I've, I've been hearing them say they want to get to wasteland for years and uh-huh. that's just not in the books for them. It's, it's not easy to get there. Like this, this year I had, I had so many things I had to do to, to be able to make it to Wasteland. And and a, a lot of people just aren't able to swing that. And I completely understand. And, and like I said at the beginning, that's that's why I, I made this is for the people that just aren't able to make it out there for one reason or another. 
Right, 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 right. Well, cool. And yeah, because coming from New England, or not New England, but the Northeast, or anywhere on the East Coast, it's about a three-day drive Mm -hmm. to get to Southern California. Um, And most people like to drive because that way you can bring all of your supplies. If you're going to fly, you're down to just a couple of bags of of costume and you can't bring your weaponry and you obviously can't bring your car. Um, so yeah, people will drive, but you know, three days there, three days back, that's a week already. And most people, you know, they're, they're, they, they suffer their vacation time. So they have to, um, you know, make every day count. So it's really great that, um, so many more, uh, regional events are popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me what do you, uh, I, so I know that you're kind of backing away from Renaissance stuff. What has grabbed you about the post-apocalypse and post-apocalypse events so much that, that you want, you had to put one on for yourself? Um, I, I, I love the aesthetic. Um, I love Road Warrior. I love the Mad Max, uh, movies. Um, it's, it's just so much about it. It's, it's exciting and different. And, uh, yeah, I, I used to love the, the medieval thing but we we did that for so long my husband and I and it just it it got old and this I I feel like I'm going to be with this for a much longer time awesome (laughs) and um what are there any like post-apocalypse um projects like movies books uh video games comic books what's been kind of your biggest influences um I love the Mad Max movies, but at the same time, like I said, we have the green place, so we can't really work with that so much. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Furiosa and seeing what the green place was. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that'll be a, a good chunk of that. So we'll, we'll see what Furiosa came from in that. Um, but otherwise, uh, we, we just got watch, done watching The Outsiders, which is not post-apocalyptic, but it has a very post-apocalyptic feel. So I, I enjoy that a lot and I'm going to see if we can incorporate anything from that possibly, uh, just, do you mean just, like, like the outsiders with pony boy? No, the TV show it had, Oh, the actor that played Opie in sons of anarchy. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we just got done watching that. So that was a little inspiring, even though it wasn't actually, it, it took place in modern day, but they lived sort of in a post-apocalyptic way. Yeah, isn't that kind of funny how how relative it can be at mm-hmm. times? Yeah. Right? Because, yeah, like, for, you know, I, one of my things is that most apocalypses, and, and this is pretty much for anyone that's going to be alive uh, for now, um, apocalypse happen, happen locally because, you know, a, a flood or a power outage or um, a supply chain issue can create these, like, little things that com- completely rock your world and, and your life can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, thanks to it being localized, things can get back to normal pretty quick. But, um, you know, we, we're, we're, we're highly unlikely to see a worldwide apocalypse anytime soon, just because the world is that big and we have enough like control systems in place. But there are definitely people all around the globe that are living in what we would today call an apocalypse where they don't have enough food. They they're, they're living um, primitively in certain places. Mm-hmm. And even here in America, the richest country on earth, we have entire neighborhoods where people are really struggling to get by. Um, and so, yeah, it becomes very relative when you think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, definitely after hurricanes hit or, 
or just in impoverished places. It's it's really it's just sad, and hopefully they can be helped along. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you see for the future of Apocalypse East? I know you guys are doing yearly events. You're thinking about a possible second event, but do you want to see it grow? Do you or do you want to kind of keep it small? What do you think? Um, I want to keep it on the small side, not not as small as it has been, but I, I don't want it to get as huge as, say, Wasteland, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I, I always hear at bigger events um, in both the post-apocalypse and the medieval societies that events are, the people enjoy events better in their beginning years before they get huge. I just, I keep hearing that over and over, like no, no matter what type of event it is, yeah. Dragon Con, for example. Um, and I, I just, I want to stick with that. It's, it's also, I, I wouldn't mind having a good time. And at this size, I, <laughs> I can still have a little bit of fun and yeah. it would just be so much more stress if, if it gets completely huge. I, you, how do you control something like that? Right. Yeah. And that, and that's coming from someone that has the experience of doing festivals or, or events for a long time. So I can only imagine what it's like for someone just like trying to put on their first event Mm -hmm. and having to figure out all the things that, you know, are going to keep you from having a good time while you're running an event. Right. Exactly. There's, and, and everybody, everybody's been so great in the post-apocalyptic community. It's, it's honestly the most accepting, um, accepting one I've, I've been involved with. And I've, I've been in a, involved in a lot of different types of communities. Um, because it's also still so fresh, right? The post-apocalypse community. Like, like there's been post-apocalypse fans out there forever. But, but as far as this like post-apocalypse festival thing, um, that's pretty new. That's only a decade and change old, really. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we can kind of figure out our rules as we go and, and everyone can have the chance to like add to it and be a part of kind of creating it still. Whereas Renaissance festivals have been going on for the better part of a century and, uh, and possibly longer. I have no idea, but there's, there, there's a lot of rules, right? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's ways that you should talk. There's words you shouldn't use. There's um, all sorts of things that, that would, would be blasphemy at a Ren fair <laughs> that can still kind of fit, you know, you can make it work in a post-apocalypse world just by, by rusting it up and throwing some dirt on it. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, we're, we're much more accepting of, well, I, I don't want to say that, but it's, <laughs> it's easier to um, just be yourself. Like we, we don't require you to make a character or anything like that. The, the, the most we require is, is dressing as a character, but not becoming that character basically. Right. Right. All right. And um, like most other festivals, I imagine you guys don't do like zombies or aliens or mutants or anything like that. No, we don't. But that is actually part of the one that I'm planning come the springtime. I'm still toying around with different names for it, but it's going to be something along the line. I, I like the idea of Apox Unlimited. And oh, cool. zombies will be allowed. Power armor will be allowed. Anything you want to do, as long as it has some connection to the apocalypse, uh-huh. bring it along. Oh, cool. So it would be more like a, a little bit more sci-fi-y. Yes. That's cool. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll be that'll be tons of fun because then you can get some mechs in there. I'm hoping it's going to attract maybe not a different crowd, but a, a more open-eyed crowd. Some people more willing to work on um, like something outside the the typical of the post-apocalypse. Right. Oh, that'll be so fun. And how has like is there a huge is there a big post-apoc fandom in the Northeast? Like, have you been able to find your people up there? 
there are definitely some hardcore fans, um, but they're fewer and farther between from, from what I can see. Um, I, there are a lot of people that say that they're super excited for this, but then I never see them anywhere. So it's, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's, I think it's more difficult getting people out. Um, I don't know what it is about the desert. It just calls people. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that. Maybe it's just that like, all right, Burning Man is obviously the, the biggest of its kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think that having that connection, even if it's just through the landscape, uh, it's, it's very attractive. Mm-hmm. One of the th- first things my, my husband said when we first made it out to Wasteland Weekend, and we've been doing fully immersive events like, like in the medieval uh, areas for a long time. And he, he immediately said, this is the most fully immersive in- environment I've ever been involved in. And it's absolutely <sighs> true. You, yeah. It, everywhere you look, it's 100% like in theme and gorgeous out there. Uh-huh. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Cool. And um all right, so when is Apocalypse East and how much are the tickets? It's August 19th through 22nd. Um that's Thursday through Sunday and uh as in a lot of other festivals, Sunday is pretty much clean up and go home day. You're welcome to stick around as as long as you'd like, but um by around noon-ish, people are, for the most part, out of there. Um, tickets started when they first went on sale at $120, um, but I have it bracketed, so it goes up in stages that that was at uh, 20% off they start, and uh-huh. then it goes to 10% off, which we just finished that where it was $135, and they are now at their final amount, which is $150. Awesome. And uh, like most of these festivals, it's a great deal. You have multiple days. Uh, full entertainment. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, I think all these, all the festivals have done a really good job of keeping their ticket prices incredibly reasonable uh, for how much entertainment and fun they're providing. So well done. Thank you. Yeah. And um, do people get to show up early if they need to set things up or is it kind of everyone shows up at the same time? Um, we try to keep everybody's, uh, for the most part, arriving Thursday, 9 to 10 a.m. Is, is the earliest we like to people to arrive unless they're part of staff somehow set, helping set up or have helped um, with something that needs to be done just before the festival. Um, so there's there's just a couple people we've okayed to uh, arrive previous to that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So where can people find more info? Do you have a, a website, Facebook? And what's your, give me all your socials and your website. <laughs> okay, we can be found at www.apoxeast.com. We also have three various different types of Facebook pages where it's Apocalypse East or Apox East 3 is the event site. And then there's the group, which is Apocalypse East dash the green place. Oh, so fun. And will you send me those links so I can put them in our show notes? Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. All right. So, um, oh, and also Instagram is Apox East. Oh, perfect. So A P O X E A S T for most of these. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right. Cool. Um, well that's all my information stuff. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about for Apocalypse East? Like, um, I don't know. Any fun stories? Let's go back to the any fun stories. <laughs> of course, oh boy. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw out some ideas and see if any of them catch. <laughs> Have you had anyone show up that's never been to an apocalypse festival and been able to witness them like figure this thing out? Um, there have actually been many people who have never been to a post-apocalypse festival before. Um, and most of them try really hard in, in their costuming and, and they, they 
they do incredible things. Um, there are obviously a good, good number of people that do Wasteland Basic. Um, we've had good friends who have were actually part of our wedding. Um, they came out last year and uh, the husband has, he was originally, he did dirt biking for a long time, uh-huh. but he hadn't in years. And he decided for this, like he had to get back into dirt biking. So he went out and he just like bought, I don't know if it was the first bike he saw, but it was, it was, he, he just got a bike immediately and his wife was like, okay, I don't want to be left behind. So he got her a bike very shortly after. And, <laughs> and they just, um, they, they post a them up and they look great, but they've been going out, um, into, uh, there's, a they live out in like the coal mining area and they've been taking their bikes out on these trail rides in, in what used to be coal mines that have now been like opened up to, to trail riding. Oh, and, wow. um, just just going for it and on these like and taking like all day to do it like eight ten hour trips it's it's crazy how much they've been doing it so they they came out to the event and they've just they've never been like off like shale they've been doing everything on on like rocky like scary stuff that i wouldn't want to do um i'm also not a hugely accomplished biker but i I try um (laughs) but they're this is their first time on grass so they're loving and they're just like ripping around the, the outskirts of the festival like safely we, we don't yeah. have a five hour mile an hour speed limit because we have um a, a very different terrain than right. apoxy and you're able to get like farther out um in certain areas so they they've just been having the time of their life just just riding around on their bikes on on nice soft grass which they're not used to right um and my, my husband did a lot of that with them uh, last year. Oh, but, so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I remember, um, in the early days of wasteland, uh, you could get outside the event space and pretty much tear it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another reason why, why going to festivals when they're smaller is so great because they don't need to have as many rules like wasteland at this point is so large. Um, and they, they need to get like a corporate level of insurance. Right. And so, you know, in order to make it so that everyone's not spending a thousand dollars on tickets just to cover the insurance for doing really dangerous things, we do mildly dangerous things like drive around at five miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, I'm hoping eventually to have, I, I don't know about a full Thunderdome, but something like that would be great. But right now oh, what's cool. holding me back from, from doing something like that, like that is what I mentioned before, the, the lack of level ground. I'm pretty sure you need level ground to do something like that. And I don't know if I'll be able to eventually level a, a rather large plot for, for something like that. It, right. it, that's, that's definitely a dream where cool. I, I, I know I can, I can buy uh, structures that are similar to that, but I, I don't know how stable they are either. I, I have to look into something like that when, when people are actually like climbing on it. Yeah. Um, we also do have insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a must have really. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and talk to me a little bit about your staff. How big is staff compared to, you said around a hundred people you're expecting this year. How big is your staff? Are they volunteers? Are they like part of, uh, some weird green place corporate structure? Uh, <laughs> fill me in. Um, it's, my staff is on the smaller side. Um, they help out with, with random things that I need done. Uh, but for the most part it's, well, there's, we also, we have a security team, um, and they're great. They handle everything. Honestly, there's not too much that they need to take care of. Pretty every, everybody, for the most part, that, that attends is they they have a wild, crazy time, but they do it in an, a for the most part safe manner. So we don't we don't have to worry about that 
too much. And I hope that doesn't change. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, I have my security team. I have my staff that's made up of, um, they, they do a lot of, they wear many hats. Um, they're made up of my, my head bartender, my, uh, cook who, who is out, out of the kitchen. Um, my, uh, just all around general manager type. So it's, it's a smaller staff, but they do what needs to be done. Gotcha. All right. Very cool. Um, and are you still looking for volunteers if anyone's interested? Um, we might be looking for another bartender. Uh, we possibly are looking for another security person. We lost one pretty much at the last minute. Uh Um, she, she just moved back to Texas or was about to move back to Texas. Um, other than that, we're pretty well set. Okay, cool. So if you guys know how to uh, shake up some drinks or uh, know how to tase people, um, <laughs> get in touch with Deirdre. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, awesome. Um, all right. Last up, just summarize this event for people who have never gone. Why should people come to Apocalypse East? Um, if you want to have a wild, crazy time in in an area that you've never done anything like this before. Like if, if you've always been entranced by Mad Max movies or other post-apocalyptic movies and just never thought that you would be able to do something like that in real life, come on out and have a good time. Awesome. I love it. All right, cool. Uh, anything else? I think we've got it. Yeah, that, that sounds like pretty much it to me. Cool. Of course I'll think of something half an hour after we're done, but that's the way it is. Okay. If you do think of it, let me know. I'll, I'll tack it on to the end. All right. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to learn all about Apocalypse East, or as it's known on socials, Apox East. Thank you so much, Deirdre, for coming on and filling us in. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Survivors, that's going to wrap us up for today. Do me a solid. And wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, if you can leave a review, please do it. Leave a thumbs up. Uh, like it subscribe to it and of course if you enjoyed today's episode send it to your friends and if you hated it send it to your enemies on a chernobyl postcard that reads wish you were here i'll see you next time survivors stay alive hey survivors makeshift here to remind you that the apocalypse post is brought to you in no small way by our patreon supporters Join the ranks for early access and exclusive content with support levels now named for fancy Fallout-ridden factions like the $2 per creation Drifter or the $7 Wastelander. Knowing you've got my back has helped me dedicate more time to this channel, spreading love of the post-apocalypse, and less time on stupid real-world stuff. Sign up right now at patreon.com backslash theapocalypsepost.